Okay. <coughs> Good evening, everybody. Okay. So she usually starts at 8.10. Doesn't excuse the last 10 minutes of lateness, but I apologize. Um, are we good? Are we good? Okay. Um, can I get a chumash? to discuss with you something uh, very powerful today, tonight, Hashem. Um, Parsha of Shoftim, in the back of your Hashem, we're heading into Elul. And um, Parsha of Shoftim, among other things, talks about wartime ethics. And Elul is a bit of a war, because uh, the month of Elul, we have to confront ourselves the Bali Musa, the, the great ethicist, tell us that the, the greatest war known to men is the internal struggle. And that's why you'll find, you'll find that when they talk about, talk about the next week's parsha of Kitetze, it says, Kitetze la milchamal oyevecha, when you fight the battle against your enemy. So many say the enemy is the Yetzirah. And it takes 30 days. You find in the captivity, a beautiful woman, meaning it's personified. And 30 days you fight, you fight the battle, you fight the battle of desires, and we get into Rosh Hashanah. That's what Elul is. This week is Rosh Chodesh Elul. It's a very big a very big step in the preparation for Rosh Hashanah. So that's just a general thought, but there's also a lot of wartime uh, ethics because uh, we're in the war. We're in the middle of day 49 of Operation Protective Edge, or Tsuk Eitan. And, um, and then we see a lot. There's a lot, of, there's a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. Um, the Shir tonight will talk a lot about war, both wars. The internal war and the war against our enemies. Um, and I'd like to also dedicate the Torah tonight, obviously, as every week, to Jonathan Rogowski, Dr. Jonathan Rogowski, the Chornel of Racha, whose share this is named after, named after him. And I'd also like to mention that there's a special Jew who passed away today. His name was Jeff Mann. Some people here know who he was. Uh, his he used to dive in with the Happy Minion, and he was a very, very special, special person. He struggled a lot, but he had a Midas HaSimcha, attribute of happiness. And he was a simple Jew, but also a very special and connected Jew. Um, and uh, the Levaya, the, the memorial service will take place on Wednesday, and then he'll be buried in Eretz Yisrael. So it uh, should be an Aliyah Sashama for him as well. Okay. Um, we can close it a little bit. Close it a little bit. But I, the open door policy, we're very, very try to keep it alive. Okay. Um, you're one of these people who probably covers you, the soda and the milk also, right? Like you're like very worried about the fizz and the soda. You yeah, know, I know, I understand. It's all connected. Yeah. 
most of my soda never gets to the end of the Bible. Usually it's just out of fizz. They don't, you don't cover the... Anyway, fine. Okay. We're not going to get into personal stuff. But it's not so much. Um, TMI, yeah. Okay. Let's take a look. Parsha Shoftim, um, towards the end. Page 1038 in the Archgold, chapter 20, verse 1. The beginning of the wartime ethics. When you go out to war against your enemy, and you see a big, a big matzav, you see horses and chariots and a large nation, larger than you. So in other words, you're fighting an uphill battle. Jews fighting an uphill battle, that's a, that's a common thing. They said that... Um, in Ben Gurion in 1947, when he asked um, when he asked his fledgling army and the generals to figure out what are the chances of Israel if they declare statehood, what are the chances of Israel um, defeating their enemies? Because the Arabs said the moment that statehood would be de- would be declared, they would they would surround Israel and drive them into the sea. What were the chances of, uh, of Israel to declare state? What were the chances that they would be successful? So the generals came back with, their, I don't know how they do these things. They said, we have a 40% ch- chance of success. The Mangurian said, that's the best percentage we've had in 2,000 years. We'll take it. We'll take it. That's the, fa- the famous uh, story. So, so, I'm Rab Mimcha. So a greater, na- greater nation, Lo Sira Mehem. Do not be afraid. Because Hashem, your God, is with you. The God that took you out of Mitzrayim. So don't be afraid. Right. Now, of course, you know that in marriage, um, those of you that are married know what I'm about to say. Or know, can relate to what I'm about to say. Those of you that are not married, this is good advice for the coming attractions. Let's say... Let's say your spouse says, you know, I'm really feeling nervous about something. I'm really feeling a certain anxiety, right? And uh, you want to be a good husband, speaking that to the men. You say, look, you're worried about you're not going to have enough time to deal with the whole issues of tomorrow. Let's go over, let's make a schedule, and I'll work it out with you. Let's go, yeah, two will do this, and three will do this, and four you'll do this. And, you know, because men like to solve problems with either a hammer or a piece of paper. And... uh, and after five minutes of feeling good about himself, so the husband says, so you're not worried anymore, right? There's nothing to be afraid of, right? So the men that are married are looking at me because they get it. Because you can't tell somebody. Can we just do that? Can we put that a little bit, like half open? Because so, people are... It is half open. Okay, fine. So, uh, fine. Um, to tell somebody, don't be afraid. To tell somebody, don't be afraid. It's usually a bracha levatam. Right? Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. Don't be stressed out. Well, if I, it's not like I have a desire to be stressed out. So, when the, when the Torah says to the Jew, lo tira mehem, do not be afraid, it's not enough to say that. There has to be a process of undoing the fear. It has to be a process. So the Torah says, Hashem is the same God that took you out of Egypt. 
Dehainu, what that means is that you have a good track record already. Why shouldn't you be afraid? Because you can look at your past successes. You also had an uphill battle in the past. The Jews were in Egypt that was not, a, that was not good odds. And God took you out of, the, of Egypt. There, there's chairs. You can just go get chairs. God took you out of Egypt. So don't be afraid. Okay, so that's the beginning. Then the Torah says, And when you get close to war, the Kohen approaches, and this Kohen is not just any Kohen. This Kohen is known in Halacha. Anybody know what the term is for this special Kohen? He's known as the anointed Kohen of war. The Mashuach Milchama. There are three prominent Kohanim in Jewish life. One of them is called a Kohen Gadol. Kohen Gadol, right? Okay. Then there's, then there's the Kohen who is the Mashuach Milchama. Right? He is the one that... He's, he's, he has the unique task, as we'll see, to try to inspire the people. The Kohen Mashuach Milchama. Right? Kohen Gadol, Kohen, within Kohen Gadol there are two different types of Kohanim Gedolim. There's Kohen, there's Kohen, a Kohen Gadol that's called Merubah Begadim. He has more clothing, eight. And then there's a Kohen that's anointed that's called the Kohen HaMashuach B'Shem and Mishra. And then there's another type of Kohen and that's called, in Halacha, he's known as the Kohen, the Skan Kohanim. He was, Mark, you can take a seat over here. The Skan Kohanim. And the Skan Kohanim, he was like always the assistant. And he was ready to take over. Rabbi Hanina, Skan Kohanim. So there were different types of, different levels, different prominent Kohanim. This, this Kohen was known as the Kohen Mashuach Milchama. And his job was to get the people ready for war. So the Torah says like this, that the Kohen speaks to the people. And he says, V'amra lehem. Shema Yisrael, listen Israel, Atem Kravim, we're now looking inside page 1038. <clears throat> you are now coming close to war. Al against your enemy. Al al Four languages of fear. Do not be afraid. Four different ways of saying do not be afraid. Why? Ki Hashem alokechem because Hashem, your God, is walking with you and He will battle with you, with your enemies, and He will save you. So, again, a similar idea, except now we have a little bit more specifics, right? What is that? Hashem, it's not just that Hashem is going to be with you in the past. But Hashem is going to fight with you with your enemies right now. This is a famous passage because we say it in the in the Misha Beirach, in the Misha Beirach for the Chayalei Tzal. This is, this pasuk is often is is used. Hashem, look, God is with you. Now, on this phrase, on this terminology of the Kohen, the Gemara says something very interesting, and Rashi quotes the Gemara. And let's take a look at Rashi and pasuk Gimel. So again, looking at the sta- at the statement of the Kohen. Mashuach Melchama. So he speaks to the people and he speaks in Hebrew. Pasuk Gimel, Shema Yisrael. Left column, Rashi, second line. Says Rashi. 
אפילו אין בכם זכות, אלא הקריאה שמה בלבד. כדאי אתם שיושיע אסכם. So what is the Kohen Gadol's job? His job is to inspire the people. So how do you inspire the people? You, you, you inspire by speaking words that will be able to reach a large group of people. So what might a person be afraid of? Going to war, what might you be afraid of? You don't have enough of a merit. You know, war is a tremendously dangerous thing. A person who believes in God realizes that there's a difference between sakana and not sakana, danger and not danger. You're going into a place of great danger, walking across Wilshire Boulevard against the light in the middle of the day, saying, I believe, doesn't quite do it, right? Because when you put yourself in a place of sakana, then you need danger, you need great merits. So therefore, the calling God says, I understand that you're a little bit nervous, you're more than a little bit nervous, but I want you to know, even, are there any Jews here that say Shema Yisrael? If there are any Jews here that say Shema Yisrael, Afilu what? Afilu ein b'chem z'chus elo kriya Shema b'vad, kedai atem sheyoshia eschem. You're still worthy to be saved. If that's all you have is the, is the merit of Shema Yisrael. And by the way, something interesting pointed out by the Mepharshim um, based on the Gemara in Sota is that we know that there was a famous battle between David and Goliath in the, in the book of Shmuel. Right? David and Goliath. But before David, before David defeated Goliath, the Torah tells us, the, the Navi tells us, that Goliath actually, um, he actually, for 40 days and 40 nights, he got up early, and he, and he was there early in the morning, and he was there late at night, and he sort of taunted them. That's what it says explicitly in the Pesukim. Morning and night. And Chazal say, very interesting thing, Chazal say, what, what, what's this thing? Hashkem v'ha'arev. Hashkem v'ha'arev. In the morning and the night. So what does that sound like, the morning and the night? Sounds like what mitzvah? The mitzvah Shema. So, well, Ma'arev is, is not a, not a deraita, not a Torah obligation. Even Shachos per se is not a, a Torah obligation. It's the obligation to, to, to daven once a day. So comes the... So comes the so comes the Gemara and Sot and says, "What did Goliath do? Goliath's job, his goal was levatlan mikriashma shachris va'arvis. The job of Goliath, what he wanted to do. There are plenty of chairs. Just uh, go inside. The, the job of I'm going to make you the chair, the chair gabai. If somebody comes in, you tell them about the chairs. Yes. So kedei levatlan mikriash. So says say Chazal the Gemara and Sota that Goliath's job." was he wanted to be mevatel, cause the Jews not to plug, not to say Shema in the morning and Shema at night. Exactly what the Gemara says. So put the two things together. It's amazing. Why? Because the, the, the Gemara is telling us in another place that the zuchus of the Jew, what did the Kohen Gadol say? That the zuchus of the Jew was what? Was to say Shema. If you have that zuchus, Shema Yisrael, if you have that merit alone, which we're going to talk about in a deep way, we we'll talk about what that merit of the Shema Yisrael was. But if you have that merit alone, then what? It's enough to save you. Now we understand why Goliath came in the morning and the night, Hashkem v'harev, and he what? He dafka one of them to be mevatel, to nullify them, to nullify them from the Mitzvah Kriya Shema. Because he didn't want them to have the zechus, the merit, to allow them to defeat him and the plishtim in the war. Right? He didn't want them to have that zechus. So, of course, you can ask a simple question. Well, he was there the, the morning and the night. So they couldn't say Shema. How long did it take to say Shema? 
I mean, in many synagogues, it takes about two to two point two seconds, right? Doesn't take the, the whole, the first line of Shema, or even the first paragraph, add another seven seconds, ten seconds, right? How hard, so what does it mean? He was mevatel them from Shema. We'll talk about it. So Rashi says, Rashi says, based on the Gemara, that the first thing the Kohen Gadol told him was what? The Kohen Mashuach Melchamerad was what? You have the schus of Shema, you're all right. Then Rashi continues. Rashi continues on the next line. Al Oyevechem. And now this next line is just so relevant to modern times. You're fighting your enemies. Ein elu achechem. These aren't your brothers. She'im tiplu biyodam. Because if you fall in their hands, if you are kidnapped by your enemies, einam mirachamim aleichem. They'll have no rachmanis on you. Einzu kimelchemes Yehuda. In Yisrael, sometimes Jews fight with each other, it happens. And the Navi sometimes, where there's civil wars. But when the Jews fought each other, And Rashi tells us that what happened when the Jews fought each other, they didn't kill each other. And Rashi continues, he says that they returned the enemies, the prisoners of war, they returned them back. No, these are not your brothers that you're fighting. You know that, that was, I, I heard years ago, you know that, not so much now because Jews are much more united, but when the peace movement was very strong in Israel, Oslo Accords and all that, there were massive demonstrations back in both, in both directions. So, you know, the, so the right wing of Israel would, would stage demonstrations in the same place, the left wing would stay, and, you know, and, if Israel, and if the right wing would set up a new settlement with the, with the caravan and then there'd be left wing. So somebody was telling me, um, I think it was Rabbi Warner, Tell me that I think it was maybe his son or somebody was telling me that that they were at some demonstration and they were like on the right wing they were like it was a very small demonstration they were like you know 20, 30 Jews and on the left wing they were like you know they were like 10, 15 Jews but among the Jews there were men and women so they wanted and it was around Mincha time and, and they wanted to adopt so you know, it was time to adopt Mincha you know, so the right wing oh, it's usually more from they only had like nine guys above the age of our mitzvah so they turned to the guys from left and left can you join us for a minute right. you know, can, we, can we break up our counter demonstrations and then we'll go back to regular schedule programming right so so comes Rashi and he says that the second thing that the calling said is you better fight with strength because the, uh, because the consequences of losing are great Right? That's a very important thing in life, is that you want, to, you want to teach somebody, you know, on the one hand, you don't want to stress somebody out, but to live a chilled life without a sense of obligation, a sense of understanding what's at stake, is also not good. So on the one hand, you have great zechuyos, great merits. You have the great merit of Shema. On the other hand, there's a lot at stake. Shema Yisrael, and you're fighting your enemies. Okay. And then, and then Rashi continues, there are four languages of fear. And then, let's go on, we, we have a lot to do here. Then in Pasuke, Then the Shotrim, now Rashi explains what's going on is, the Kohen speaks, the first time around, the Kohen speaks, and he says the first thing, Shema Yisrael. Now the Shotrim, the, these are not the Kohanim, the Shotrim are sort of like the officers, the ones in charge of the people, they say to the nation, Who's the person that built a new house and did not yet dedicate the house? 
Yelech v'yashuv l'beiso. Go home. Pen yamus b'milchama v'yishachar yach nechenu. Because now we're going to get to the draft exemptions. Right, now we're going to get to the draft. So the one that built the house but didn't yet dedicate the house, go home. Because if he dies in war, somebody else is going to dedicate it. And we'll see, as Rashi says, v'dover shal agmas nefesh huzeh. And that causes him great pain. We'll explain in a moment. Umiya isha shenota kerem, verse 6. And who's the one that, that planted the vineyard? And he did not have the chance to redeem. The fourth year had not yet come. To redeem and eat the fruit. Fourth year, go to Yushalayim. Yelech v'yashor l'beis, go home. Penya mus v'milcham avish acher yichalalenu. And somebody else will come if you die. <coughs> and he's going to redeem the vineyard. Umiha isha sher eras isha. And who is the person who betrothed? He betrothed a woman. But did not yet marry her. Go home. He should go home. Not because, not because he's waging a war at home. No, not, not, not for that. That's not what's going on here. Because he might die. Somebody else is going to marry her. So these are the three famous exemptions. And according to, according to the way Rashi explains it a little bit later on, this... Um, this middle, this middle phrase, this middle section, was said by the Kohen and was repeated by the officers, by the Shotrim. The three exemptions, the three exemptions, who are the three exemptions? The one who what? The one who, who built the house but he did not yet dedicate the house? The one who what? The one who built the, the Karim, the vineyard? And the one who? The one who got met, who betrothed but did not yet marry. And this halacha, by the way, the halacha here is that they are exempt from going to battle, but they still have to engage in the war effort. The Rambam explains, really it's the Gemara, but the Rambam, just in, in quoting the Gemara, the Rambam says that these people who are exempted, they are still obligated... To provide chosrin umesapkin mayim umazon laachem, they have to provide water and sustenance to their soldiers laachem shebatzava umetaknim esadrachim, and they still have to help set up the roads. In other words, all of these people are not really exempt from war. They're what they call in Israel today a jobnik, which means they don't fight on the battlefront, but they're still part of the war effort. And this war that we're talking about now is called in halacha a milchemes rishus. It's a voluntary war. Not a milchemes mitzvah. A milchemes mitzvah, a war of obligation, which one can very well say that today's war, a defensive war, might be called a milchemes mitzvah. That's a question in halacha. A war of obligation, halacha is chasan mechupaso. Take the chasan and drag him out of the chuppah and he goes straight to battle. So this halach is only talking about a melchemes rishus, a voluntary war, and he still has to, they still have to be involved in the war effort. So these are the three exemptions that the Torah talks about. And then we get to the sort of the crux of the matter, verse 8. Verse 8. And then 
the officers, they then go and speak to the people. And Rashi explains that this time it's the Kohen alone. It's, excuse me, it's the officers alone. So the first time it's the Kohen. It's the Kohen speaking. Totally himself. The second time is a joint effort between the Kohen and the officers. The Kohen speaks for the first time and the officers sort of like re-announce it and they project it. And the third time it's the Kohen is out of the picture. And what is this third message? The Yasvu HaShotim L'Daber La'am the Amru when they say. Listen carefully. Who is the man that is afraid, that is soft of heart? The one who is afraid, who is soft of heart, should go home. So that he will not what? He will not melt the heart of his brethren like his heart. And the commentary known as the Baal Halachos Gedolos, one of the counters of mitzvos, says an amazing thing. He says that this is a mitzvah. It is a mitzvah for somebody that's afraid to walk off. It's an absolute mitzvah. Why is it a mitzvah? No. Why is it a mitzvah? Because... You know, it's like a cancer, right? If he, if, 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 if what's that? It, but but what's the name? Of the, what's the time of the mitzvah? Right, the time. The reason for the mitzvah is because if he's afraid and he injects the poison of fear to his fellow soldiers, it's a terrible, it's a terrible matzah, right? So the Baalachos Gedolah says this is an obligation. If a person is fear afraid, he must he must walk off the battlefield. So isn't it interesting? How did it? How did our? How did this parak begin? The very beginning of it was what? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. How does it end? If you're afraid, leave. So the Torah is giving you a picture of the ideal and the real. Right. The ideal is, don't be afraid. But by the way, if you're afraid, because the reality is, as we'll see in a moment. We'll have to understand deeper who this person is. But if you are afraid, the Torah is saying, really, we don't want you to be afraid. But if, if you are afraid, we have a contingency plan as well. A Jew has to know, like there's, you know, sometimes in life we want to achieve, we want to be on this madriga, but, we, so, but we're not always there. So you look in the Torah, sometimes the Torah, say, the Torah will say, make sure that you keep the Shemitah. But if you're afraid, if you're afraid, because it's not so easy to keep the Shemitah. There's a lot in the line. You're losing 14% of your income. Not so simple. There's the ideal and the real. But let's go a little bit deeper. Who is this person that's afraid? Who is this fearful individual? What's the, what's the makeup of this person? So on this, we have a very fascinating machlokas. Fascinating dispute. Dispute between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Haglili. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi, two great sages of the Mishnah. Who is the subject of the one that's afraid? So if you take a look at Rashi, again, 
Rashi and Pasuk Ches can be found in your Chumashim on page 1040. So Rashi says the right column, Rabbi Akiva says, who's the person that's afraid? It's as we think literally. That means what? He is unable to do what? He is unable to withstand the kishrei hamilchama, the the embattlement, right? The kesher in this case, kesher means the battle. He, he's not able to withstand <laughs> the battle. That means to say that he's afraid. He's afraid in a real way. He's not. He doesn't have the guts. And Rashi continues the liros cherev shlufa, and he's not able to see the unsheathed sword. The liros cherev shlufa. He's not able to, he's simply afraid in the sense of the classical, like, no, he, it's a bloody thing, war. It's a bloody thing. And he can't deal with it. So, according to Rabbi Akiva, the one who can't deal with that, doesn't have the guts, he walks away. That's Rabbi Akiva. By the way, what about the inspiring message of the Kohen? Is he considered to be... Is this considered to be a fault of his? Do we consider this to be an Avera? But we don't really have a good clarity here. Is this like in a... The Torah says he must leave the battlefield. Is this simply because he can't handle it? So Rashi tells us that according to Rabbi Akiva, the Yore and the Rachalevav is the one that's afraid. And the double terminology of Yore and Rachalevav both refer, according to Rashi, the double terminology, the one that's afraid, the one that's soft-hearted, according to Rashi, both refer to one who can't be in the battlefield. Ramban, Ramban has a little bit of a different spin here. Ramban says, Yorei means, listen carefully to his words, that he's afraid because he's enenu boteach ba'ashem kara'ui. What does that mean? He's einenu boteach b'ashem karaui. He doesn't have enough faith in God, and therefore v'lo yaselo hanes. And guess what? If you don't believe in God, then God maybe won't believe in you. Now that, that's a very that's a very harsh thing to say, but 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 that means to say that means to say that in order for a person to be ra'ui, to be fitting, to receive the miracle of survival in war, they need, according to the Ramban's explanation of Rabbi Akiva, they need to be able to use their capacity of emuna to overcome the natural... So you have to give me a few moments. I'm just I'm, I'm looking at my time. I'm running out of time. I'll, give me a few moments. They need to overcome the natural fear the natural fear that every single person will experience. And how do they do that? How do they do that? To, by being a boteach bashem. Using, I'm going to get to this idea in a moment, in a few moments. Using a bitachon bashem to overcome the natural fear. And therefore says the Ramban, when it says yore, yore, it's a reference to a person that's unable to tap into bitachon and therefore, Hitaka will not be deserving of a miracle. And then the second phrase, Rachalevav, 
says Ramban is she'eno betivo liros makas cherev herik. It just he can't stand seeing. He can't. It's it's not the primal fear of dying. That according to the Ramban's first explanation, the, the, rather the first word yare means what? Yare means he's afraid that he's going to die because he doesn't really properly believe in God. That's yare according to the Ramban's the, the, the first phrase. But rachaleva means he's squeamish. You know, he's like the type of person where, like, you know, if the uh, the nurse comes in and wants to take out, I don't, I don't want to do this because some people maybe she wants to take out blood. You know, some people that say, you know, you know, oh, yes, the wrong. Get this one. This one's better, right? You know, like, you know, hey, I'll do it. Let me do it. Watch me. I'll do it. That's that. You know, most people are not like that, but some people still, you know, they'll take a look. You know, the ones at the bris, the ones that go close. You know, then there's some people like you know you see them like very very far away. You say, and then there are people that are taking pictures. You know, you know, what are they doing with the? When, when are they going to show those pictures? Like you know, what, I don't exactly get it, right? So, so, so the Ramban says, the Rachalevav is the one who just. It's not a fault of bitachon. They just they can't stand to see the sight of blood and guts and things like that. Yare and Rachalevav. So this is. The Rabbi Akiva's explanation, and within Rabbi Akiva, we have Rashi who says it's all one idea of being afraid of war, and Ramban who divides it up. But Yare means what? Yare means a person that's afraid, right? He's afraid of. He's afraid in a, so we say, a, a, basically a physical way, basically a physical way. Now, why is he afraid? Ramban says because he didn't have to be talking, but he's basically afraid in a physical way. That's Rabbi Akiva. That's Rabbi Akiva. But Rabbi Yossi Aglili has a different shot. Rabbi Yossi Aglili in the Gemara in Sota says the, an amazing thing. And really, the whole shir is really meant to understand Rabbi Yossi Aglili, but we'll go back to Rabbi Akiva as well. Rabbi Yossi Aglili says as follows Gemara in Sota, on page 43. Who is this fearful person? Rabbi Yosef Agli Omer, Hayore Verachalevav, Zewa Mityare Min Haveros Shebiodo. He's afraid because he's done sins. He's afraid of his Haveros. And then Rabbi Yosef Agli says a very interesting thing. Listen to this. Fascinating. And he says, Lefikach. Rabbi Yosef says that what? what? Who's this person that's afraid? He's afraid of his Averos. He, he knows that he has some sins. So since he's afraid of his Averos, this is a ripe time for God to strike him dead. So therefore what? So therefore he, 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 he's, 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 being, he's eaten up by his Averos. So then Rabbi Yosef says, and so the first three exemptions it's an unbelievable Kiddush the first three exemptions the ones that we explained until now were sort of we understand it's a Dover Shal Agbas Nefesh it's like full of pain that if you got married you betrothed and you didn't end up being with the woman or you, you built the house you didn't get, have a chance to, 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 to dedicate it so says Rabbi Yosef Lee, the first three are just a cover are just a cover to spare the fourth guy from embarrassment. 
The first three are really just, the, the Torah is created. It's an amazing thing. Really, the first three don't deserve to be exempt from war. They're not, right? It doesn't sound like they're afraid, right? right. Now, that happens to be, the Sefer HaChinuch explains that the first three are afraid. The first three are afraid. And he says, we understand, according to Rabbi Akiva, why all four are connected, because all four are afraid. The fourth one is afraid because he's naturally afraid. The first three are afraid, Why? Because they have a particular situation which will cause them to be afraid, which I'm going to get to in a moment. I'm going to share with you a beautiful idea that Rav Schwab says about why they're afraid. But according to Rabbi Akiva, I don't know if you'll follow what said. According to Rabbi Akiva, the fourth guy, who's the fourth guy? What is he afraid of? According to Rabbi Akiva, stay with me. He's afraid of right, war. He's afraid of dying. He's afraid of war. Right? That's according to Rabbi Akiva. So says the Sefer Achinuch, the first three are, are really connected to the fourth one. The Sefer Achinuch is a Rishon, Spanish Rishon, 14th century. Why? He says, because the first three are also afraid. Because they have a lot on the line. So all four of them are connected because of their fear. They're distracted and they'll be afraid, etc. But according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, the first three is not connected to the fourth one. The first three are exempt. Why? Not because they're afraid. The first three are exempt. Why? Because, you know, those three have big things. They have a big future ahead of them. But that itself wouldn't be enough. Why are they really? Why are they really exempted? Why are they really exempted? Point of Yosef, really? Why are they exempted? Because it's a way to spare the embarrassment. To spare the embarrassment from the fourth guy, right? Who's who really is legitimately exempt? So imagine if they just would be the fourth category, not the first three. So a guy walks away from battle. So you say to him, "What do you do?" What, you, what a vera are you worried about? Come on, you can tell me. Right? Lashon Hara? Is that, you're, in, you're out because of Lashon Hara? Is it your Shabbos? What is it? It's embarrassing, right? It's interesting. The, according, to, according to Rabbi Akiva, being afraid is not embarrassing. In other words, the first three are not a cover for the fourth. You follow what you said? The first three are not a cover for the fourth, according to Rabbi Akiva. Because being afraid, having primal fear, is nothing to be embarrassed about. It's, today it's just the opposite, right? Today the person that's afraid, right, because he has some type of anxiety, some type of phobia, so he'll do everything to, 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 to prevent other people from knowing that. Because, you know, I don't want you to know that I'm a scaredy cat. So it's like embarrassing. So, but the guy who has a virus, he, he's not really so afraid. You know, because, you know, everybody has a virus. You know, I'm just, I'm that's natural. But it's much the opposite. According to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, it's the only reason why we have the first three exemption. The first three is because we want to cover up in the fourth guy. But here's the part that's fascinating. Here's the part that's fascinating. The Gemara says, the Mishnah says, there's another opinion. Rabbi Yossi. Not to be in cute, I know it's a little bit confusing. But there's Rabbi Yossi Aglili. And there's Rabbi Yossi. And Rabbi Yossi says, the fourth guy also is in Diraveros. What were his Averos? He married... The, a, a widow that married a Kohen Gadol, not allowed to do it. A divorcee that married a Kohen, not allowed to do it. Um, a, a regular you saw that married a Mamzeris, not allowed to do it. So he, he did Averos. So the Gemara asks, what's the difference between Rabbi Yossi Aglili and Rabbi Yossi? They both say you're, the reason why you're exempt is because of Averos. So what's the difference? So the Gemara says something remarkable. You follow said. Rabbi Yossi says, if you did an Avero, like you married, the, married a woman that you're not allowed to marry. So Rabbi Yossi says, so the Gemara says, what's the difference? They both say you're out because of Averis. 
Now the Gemara says the big difference. Because according to Rabbi Yossi, it has to be you violated what? You violated a Torah Avera. But according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, even if you just listen to this language of the Gemara, Sach bein tfilo litfilo. I want to use, I'll tell you what the, those words mean. If you sach, what does the word sach mean? Sach. You spoke bein tfila litfila. Now there are two explanations, two explanations of what this means in the Rishonim. Explanation number one, Rashi gives: If you spoke between your tefillin shel yad and your tefillin shel rosh. Now that's not a. We would not call that a major error. Right, we would not call that a major Avera. I can think of, if, if you say to me, like, you know, on your list of Averos walking to Yom Kippur, like, which one does that, like, where does that fit? Right, so that's a very minor Avera. Very minor. And, and Rashi, according to Rashi, it's even less. Because according to Rashi, you're allowed to speak between your Tzvillim Shayat and Rosh. There's no concept of a hefsake of an interruption per se. According to Rashi, the problem is that you didn't say a bracha on your Tzvillim Shal Rosh. Because if you speak between your tefillin shayat and tefillin shalosh, you have to say a new brach. Between your head, between your hand tefillin and your head tefillin. But let's not go with Rashi for now. Just a simple pshat the Gemara is when you spoke between your tefillin shayat and tefillin shalosh. So because of that, you're out. But don't worry, there are those that say it's a different avera. And that is, if you speak between yishtabach and yotzer. Yishtabach is the very end of Sukkot Zimra. And Yotzer Or is the beginning of the blessings of Shema. So that's the second aspect. Uh, that, 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 that didn't make you that. that I thought there was a third one. I thought there was one between Shema and Shema um, No, that's, no. Not, that's not the. Uh, no, between. And the Ramah records that opinion about somebody who speaks between, um, between Yishtabach and Yotzer. The Ramah records that in the Halacha sub Tfila. So, no, that's not. A, that, that would not be. That, that, that's seemingly. Now, that, no, that's not. Usually allowed, and you have to know the halachas that have say. But for some reason, which needs to be understood, right between Yishtabach and Yotzer, that seems to be the one. Now it could be one could say I did not learn the Gemara in any great depth. It could be that that's like even less of a hefsek than in Baruch Shemayitishtabach because that's less of an interruption. Why? Because in the davening, that's really it's sort of like a between two sections. So even then, maybe even then, but we're going to try to go a little bit deeper into what the Gemara is saying here. So comes Rav Schwab and he asks a massive question. Okay, he asks a massive question, and I want to also augment the question with a di- with an additional point. He says, "I don't get it. We just read Rashi. The Rashi at the beginning of our shir, people are still up. Shema Yisrael. What did Rashi say? Shema Yisrael is. If you say Shema, no, you're good." You're good. Now all of a sudden, what does Rabbi Yosef really say? You know, if you speak between, if you speak between your tefillin shayat and tefillin shalrosh, or if you speak between yishtabach and yotzer, you're out of the box. Well, what happened to Shema? All you need is Shema. Well, now all of a sudden Rabbi Yosef really says no. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was the author of the opinion that said that all you need is Shema. Rashi quotes that. So how, does, how do the two opinions drive with each other? Are they arguing? No, Gemara never says that they argue. So is it, which one is it? Is it that if you do even the smallest of error, you're gone? Or is it that what? Or is it that, that Shema is enough? Seems to be a contradiction here. Which one is it? Is it that 
any small area, you're good. And by the way, second question, which is my question, obvious question. Is there anybody that's left to, to fight? If you're Rabbi Yosef Lili, is there anybody left to fight? There's a famous story of the Purim Spiel in Velazhin. The Purim Spiel in Velazhin. Now, again, this is too much to explain the background, but Velazhin was a famous yeshiva that functioned in the 1800s, mostly 1800s. And it was also a, also a town where, some, where the, the Talmudim in Velazhin, most of them were Heilige Talmudim, but there was also the time of Haskalah. Haskalah was the Enlightenment. And the time of Enlightenment was you had Jews who knew a lot of Torah, but, but unfortunately went off the derech. And they would mock Torah sometimes. So the famous story of the Purim Spiel of Velazhin, you can Google the story, it's a very famous story, is that the, um, the, um, in, in Velazhin, not in the yeshiva, some of the masculine, the hidden heretics that were in the yeshiva made a Purim Spiel. And they start out in the, they start out in the Purim Spiel, it's a war, they're fighting a war. And there are 100,000 soldiers about to fight. And then the first announcement is that what? That the one who's married, right? The one who's, the one, excuse me, the one who's about to build a house and, you know, didn't dedicate it. So 10,000 leave. And then they hear the second announcement, right? The one that, the one that did the vineyard, right? And didn't yet redeem it. Another 10,000 leave. The, the one that was married, betrothed, but didn't get, wasn't fully married yet. Another 10,000 leave. And then, so there's 70,000 left. And then, the, the, the final announcement, whoever's afraid and faint-hearted should also leave. And 70,000 Jews leave. And the only people that are left, the Shagas Aryeh, the Nodim Yehuda, and the Pnei Yoshua. Three great and old Torah scholars. And they're walking with their canes. Right? And one said, the other, how do you shoot exactly? <laughs> and that was the famous Purim Spiel in Velazhin. And the Talmidim who saw the Purim Spiel were very troubled. And they came to Rav Chaim Salavechik who was in Velazhin. And they said, it's funny, but it's a good kasha. So Rav Chaim Velazhin answered, but we're not going to go with this Mahalach. Rechaim Salavechik rather answered that everything that they did was correct. The only thing is they forgot to finish the play. They forgot to include the most important part. That, that, the, Nitzit, that the Pnei Yoshua, the Nodim Yehud and the Saga Zarayeh, they won. Oh. <laughs> they, forgot, they forgot that part. So maybe that's one Mahal. But we need to ask the Kasha, is that the only people that can go to battle? Are the three Gedolei Ador? Is that really true? What does Rabbi Akiva think about Rabbi Yosef Lili's idea? The one that has Averis. Doesn't, doesn't everybody have Averis? And isn't it a good thing to be afraid of your Averis? Isn't that what Yerushalayim is? To be afraid of Averis? Afraid of sin? That's a bad thing? What does Rabbi Yosef Lili want? What does Rabbi Yosef really want? So first I want to share with you two very poignant images. Two poignant images. One is, in case you think that this is only biblical, that this does not have relevance and resonance today. So Colonel Ofer Winter, 
who fought in Gaza. And before we went into Gaza, but when they were, when they were waiting, waiting, wrote a letter. This letter got a very large play on the internet. And he writes as follows. With his pluga, he was in charge of a brigade of the Givati. We know we lost many, many of the boys from Givati. And he writes as follows. Listen to what the, this is what the colonel writes. I rely on you. First, let me give you the beginning of the, the first paragraph. He says, it's a big merit, that we're fighting now. We're on the verge of fighting. We're fighting against the Gazan terrorists. Of course, the first Azati, or the famous Azati, was a man by the name of Goliath. Pilege, the, 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 the Plishtim. Who blasphemes the God of the Ma'archot Yisrael, of the, of the legions of the Jewish people, using biblical terminology. The terminology that's used about Goliath, who's Mecharef Mina'ef, And then he says, skipping quite a bit, he says, I'm relying on you. That you will have within yourself the ruach, ruach shalochamim. Ani no seinayla shamayim. I lift up my eyes to heaven. Vikori imachem shemay Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. The the colonel before he takes his troops out to war. Together I lift up my eyes la shamayim and together I read with you shemay Yisrael. Hashem Elokei Yisrael heyeno matzliach darkenu. The words that the shliach tzibur, that the reader, before he davens the Yom Kippur Musaf, says, darki. Let me be successful in my ways. We're fighting for, you, for your nation Israel, etc. So in other words, don't think that the Shema Yisrael that we're reading in Parsha Shoftim was not used. Don't think that what? That the Shema Yisrael was something that's only in the dustbins of the Bible. No, the Jew goes to war with the notion of Shema Yisrael, which we need to probe a little bit more how that fits in. And what does it mean, this chus of Shema Yisrael? But it's mamish, very, very poignant, lemaisa. Now, Rav Schwab, in dealing with the question we have two, two questions that we, we just asked. Number one, what happened to Shema Yisrael when it comes to Rabbi Yosef, really? I mean, if you're afraid of the Averos, Shabbat Yadav, you're afraid of your Averos, of your sins, so then, what, what, but you have the merit of Shema Yisrael, isn't that enough? And number two, doesn't everybody sin? I mean, ha, who's going to fight? So Rav Schwab, Rav Shimon Schwab, who I've quoted many times, the great Rav of the Yaki community, died in 1995 says something very beautiful he says that it could be we can say that when it says when you speak between your tefillin shal yad and your tefillin shal rosh how does that reconcile itself with the merit of Shema so he says it could be that what's going on is 
that Shema and Tefillin are connected. Because what does the Gemara say about somebody who reads the Shema and he doesn't put on Tefillin? Anybody know what the Gemara says about such a person? False testimony. By the way, this is only true if you are obligated to put on tefillin, right? If you're obligated to put on tefillin, you don't. Then that's false testimony. Call a kari kriya shema below tefillin. Can you look at the age of Shekhabasso? Brachas 14b? Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Give me one second. One second. One second. One second. One second. One second. So, says Rav Schwab, it could be, it could be, that what's going on here is that Taka, when Rabbi Yosef Lili says the Avero Shebiyado, the sins in your hand, it means somebody who really didn't do, doesn't have the merit of what? The merit of? The merit of Shema. Because he spoke between the Tzvillin Shayyad and Tzvillin Shorosh. That means, that means that the Shema and the Tzvillin need to be connected in a deep way. And similarly, if you explain it to be the second explanation, you speak between Yishtabach and Yotzer, the two parts of the davening, right? The whole point of, of, of the blessings of Shema, which are known as Yotzer, is that you, you're, you lead up to the blessings of the Shema with Psuket Zimra, with the verses of song. And if you interrupt between the verses of song and, and the blessings of Shema, if you interrupt, then you sort of have lost out on the Mitzvah of Shema, because the Mitzvah of Shema needs context, needs build-up. And therefore what? And therefore, says Rav Schwab, it could very well be that when Rabbi Yosef really pinpoints sins, he's not talking about somebody who has the littlest sin. It could be that what he's referring to is what? Is somebody that has a sin that takes away from his fulfillment of the Shema. So really, you need the merit of Shema. Really, you need the merit of Shema. But the merit of Shema isn't whole if you speak between your Tefillin Shalat Tefillin Shalrosh because the Tefillin and, and Shema are connected. And also if you speak between Yishtabach and Yotzer because that's the build-up to say the Shema. So that's how he understands the Gemara. It's really one and the same. But what about if you have another small Avera? I don't want to tell you what I think a small Avera is because then we're going to think it's... But let's have another small... So that's not included. The Gemara only... The Gemara says Rab Shua. The Gemara just says... Um, Sach... Dein tefillah letefillah. The Gemara doesn't say kigon like. Maybe that's the Avera it's referring to. So this is this is what he says. Now we're going to try. Well, I'm going to try to give a different approach. But the question of Rav Schwab is if he's the, the only reason why this year exists is because he alerted me to the, the great question. But I want to try to try to give a little different. First, I would like to quote a good colleague, a friend, a special colleague, Rabbi Tzvi Teichman from Baltimore, who, whose very creative approach to this Gemara also got me to think in this way as well. Rabbi Teichman points out something very interesting. Now, some of you might remember that when you go to a bris milah, usually what happens is you have like a bris. When you go to a bris milah, so you have like a hundred people, let's say, at the bris. And then there are usually about like ten men left at the end for the benches. Right? Because between the bagels and everything, people have to rush out. But there is, people actually do bench at a bris. There is such a thing called the grace after meals at a bris. And at the, at the benching, at the Birkat Amazon for the bris, there are a series of harachamans, special insertions that we say at the end. If you stay till the very, very end, usually like the ten men, they usually get, each one gets a, a cover. So one of the, one of the, interesting insertions that we say at that 
Harachaman, one of the interesting insertions that we say is as follows. Harachaman, who Yivarech Hamal Bisar Ha'arla Upara Umatsat Dimei Hamila. May Hashem, the compassionate one, bless the one who circumcises and reveals and draws the blood of circumcision. I don't want to go into the three aspects of circumcision that are being referenced here. Ish Hayarei Virach Halevav. The one who is fearful and who has the faint heart. Avodatop Sula. His Avoda is invalid. So it's very interesting. In the context of the bris, you with me here? In the context of the bris mila ceremony, in the harachamans, we invoke the one who is afraid to go to war. The one who is afraid, who is faint-hearted, his avoda, his work, is invalid. That's like, what, that's like a random connection. What's the connection between bris mila? What, what's going on here? So Roy Tachman says something very beautiful. Roy Tachman says that if you think about this Avera of the Tefillin of Yad and Tefillin Shel Rosh, what's the Tefillin of the Yad? What does it symbolize? What's that? Action. Action. And the Tefillin Shel Yad is... It, no, no, you're saying... Yeah, yeah. The Tefillin Shel Yad, the Tefillin of the hand, also is connected to the heart. Action and the heart. Action in the heart. Right? Passion. What's the Tefillin Shel Rosh? Intellect. Intellect. Right? So Rabbi Tashman says something very interesting. He says that what does it mean that you separate between your Tefillin Shalyad and Tefillin Shalrosh? It means that in life, very often, um, we can know what the right thing to do is. Right? The Tefillin of the head reflects our intellect, but we must connect the two through an inspired consciousness and it is only when we affirm the link between our knowledge and our emotions that ultimately define the impact and significance of our actions that we're able to achieve this noble concept of the Tefillin Shalyad and the Tefillin Shal Rosh. So what does that have to do with the bris milah? What does it do with the bris milah? Because the bris milah is really the beginning of bringing the Jew into the covenant. Right? Bringing the Jew into the covenant. So, the first thing that we need to do by the bris milah, are three pieces of the bris milah. There's the cutting. Cutting is the maisa. Then there's something called the drawing of the blood. I don't want to go into the details now. There's all controversy. But the drawing of the blood was done with the mouth. And that's done, that's dibor, that's speech. And then there's the revealing. That's called machshava. That's called thought. A Jew, you know, it's an interesting thing. I, I always, I, I pointed, this, pointed this out before. But, you know, when you go to the airports in Europe, I, I always see this. Again, I'm sure in America it's also this way. But in Europe, you know, you always you have these duty-free shops. And you have these huge cartons of cigarettes, right? And it, it, I have pictures. On, I don't actually why I have pictures on my, on my Blackberry. For this. And, and they have these, on the, and, and, you, and you save money. You save a lot of money, I think. Let's say the average carton costs, let's say, 50 bucks, right? Or 70 bucks. This one, you save like 20 bucks. So you, t- 
So the people will buy these huge cartons, but you know there there's a requirement that there should be a warning on the on the um, on the carton. So when I was growing up, the warning was you know the Surgeon General says there may be a connection between smoking and and cancer, and then it got a little bit stronger that there is a connection. But now, you know, you go on these these cartons. What like it's not too subtle. Smoking kills. You've seen that, and it's not like in twelve font. It's like in seventy-two font. Smoking. What's that? Oh, that's, I'm not about. I'm not. A, I'm not about halacha. You know the halacha. It's half the pack, right? Smoking kills. So it's a very interesting thing. You see these guys, and that's only one. Other than some of them say like you know, smoking causes birth defect. They're very stark, and you see these people like walking around. They feel like they got the best deal in the world, right? They're walking around with their svarim, you know, with their with their cards. You know, this guy is smoking kills, smoking kills birthday, and they feel great. They save forty bucks, you know, like they, they feel. So you're like wondering, like, what, what happened here? What happened? There's a bit of a gap between the head and the heart, between the action, right? Between the actions and the mind. So now listen carefully, and this is one idea that we can certainly explain. And this is a second approach to what, what, what's, what's the issue with Shema? What's the schus of Shema? And why is it that the Kohen, the Kohen, who's Mashuach Milchama, who's anointed with war, anointed to go to war, why does he start by saying Shema Yisrael? And why is it that the only thing the Kohen doesn't say, the only thing the Kohen doesn't say is the one that's afraid? Because Shema isn't simply a one-liner. Shema isn't simply, oh, let me say Shema. Let me say Shema. No, no, no. If you want to just say Shema, it could be that's not enough of a merit. Saying Shema is not where it's at. You know what it means, the merit of Shema? The merit of Shema is that you live Shema. Living Shema means that you realize that there's an achtus in your life. There's a unity in your life. Mm-hmm. That means to say that the Jew who says Hashem Echad and the Gemara says you have to be marich be'echad. You have to sort of say the word Echad in a, in a long way. And the Gemara says, if you're marich be'echad, you're marich lo yom you'll have long days and long years. That means to say that a Jew realizes that wherever he or she goes, Hashem is with him or her. There's an achdus that when I walk out of the shul and I walk into my workplace and walk out of my workplace and walk into a restaurant or walk into the home, or walk in, it's all echad. It's Hashem echad. And if I go to the battle field, Hashem is also there. Wherever I go, if I live with a consciousness, I don't create a hefsake, an interruption between my world of the mind, the world of the mind and the world of the action. I don't make a hefsake, an interruption between the world of the mind and the world of the action. There's no interruption between Ishtabach and Yotzer. I live a unified life. So then, now listen carefully. It's true that a person has Averos. You can have Averos. But a person who has Averos, there are different types of fear. You know, Yira Shamayim, fear of God, is a very good thing. 
In fact, we are told in Parshas Ekev, and the Gemara in Brachas teaches us, that Yerushalayim is the preservative. It's the language of the Gemara, it's the preservative that allows the wheat to remain fresh. Yiras Hashem Hi Fear of God is not a bad thing. Fear of Hashem allows a person to be liberated. Because if I fear Hashem and only Hashem, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, it's only Hashem, only one God, Hashem Echad, I'm afraid of God, then all of a sudden I'm not afraid of what you think of me. And I'm not afraid to say, close your mouth, I don't want to hear your filthy Lashon Hara. Maybe you don't say it that way. I'm not afraid to say, I appreciate what you're saying, but right now, I'd like to live a different type of life. I'm not afraid. Yerashamayim draws me close to the master of the universe. In fact, there's a line that we say in the Tachron, Ki imcha ha-salicha lima'an With you, God has found forgiveness. Why is forgiveness found in God with God? In order that you should be able to have a fearful relationship of God. What's that mean? Why is that such a beautiful thing? Because what it's saying is, God really wants, God really wants us to have a relationship with Him. So God said, I'm giving you the ultimate relationship of slicha and mechila, of forgiveness. I'll forgive you for anything. And the reason why I hold the reason why I hold the cards, the reason why I set up the system in a way that you need to come to me for slicha is because I want you to fear me. Because if you fear me and I'm the center of your consciousness, then all your other anxieties, all your other fears in the world will melt away. It's true a person can have a veros, a yore shamayim, a person that's afraid and has real fear of Hashem doesn't say, I don't have a veros. I have a veros, a yore shamayim. But what does a person do with the averos? So Rabbi Yosef Lili might not be saying, anybody that has a veros doesn't go to war. Well, then it's going to be the Nitziv. It's going to be the Pnei Yeshua, it's going to be the Nod of Yehuda, and nobody's going to go to war. A person who's crippled by his Averos, a person who's Yorei Me'averos Shebiyodo, and he doesn't use the forum of Yerashamayim, of, of, of the fear, in order to turn to God, that's the person who cannot go to war. But if I have Averos, and I'm vulnerable because of the Averos, and I turn to Hashem and I say, Hashem, Hakol Echad, Shema Yisrael Hashem, Okein Hashem Echad, it's all you, wherever I go, you know it's you. And I know I'm, 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 I know I'm lacking. I know I'm missing something. And I know that I have to turn to you, God. So, so then it's true, I might have Averos. But I'm not Yorei from the Averos. I'm not afraid of the Averos, I'm afraid of God. You hear the difference? And that ties into Shema. That ties into Shema. How does that tie into Shema? Because Shema is the Zchus of the person that believes wherever he or she goes, 
that Hashem is with us. I was listening a few a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago. Um, Rav El Yashiv's eye doctor, Rav El Yashiv's eye doctor, Rav El Yashiv was a great tzaddik. Passed away two years ago. Had many stories about Rav El Yashiv. Rav Yashiv was like a superhuman person. I don't like telling stories about him so much because we can't relate to his stories because he was just an incredible person beyond our belief. But one thing Rav Yashiv always used to tell people practically, practically. He used to tell them, if you're afraid, if you're going into an operation, you're going into a situation of vulnerability, have in mind the following three words. Ein od novado. There is nothing else but God. Ein od novado. We say this, of course, in the, in the, in the, in the Chumash. Atareis ladas. There is nothing else but God. There's nothing else but God. Says Rabbi Yossi Aglili, what does it mean, the person that's Yorei Me'averu Shebiyodo? And what does Rabbi Akiva say about that person? And why does Rabbi Yossi Aglili, how does he have anybody going to war? No, there are two types of fear. There is the fear that's debilitating. There is the fear that cripples. And then there's the fear that flows from Shema Yisrael. The fear that says, if you speak between your Shalyad and your Shalrosh, which means if you don't connect your life of action with the presence of God in your life, if you don't live a unified life, if your Averos get you down and you don't look at them as an opportunity to turn to Hashem, ki imcha tivore, then you can't go to war. Because in war, how are you going to possibly see Hashem Elohim? How are you going to possibly see Eidon Mavado? So the goal, the goal of the exercise of the Kohen Mashuach Melchama was that a Jew, when he goes to war, Goliath tried to, tried to be mevatel them, tried to nullify them, not from saying Shema. Who can't say Shema in 2.2 seconds? It's not about saying Shema. I'm afraid of him. There's no God. When I'm afraid of you, there's no God. Right? One fear replaces the other. Let me leave you with this story. Colonel Ofer Winter interviewed a few weeks into the war. The following story appeared in not such a religious newspaper known as the I think it was. I think this comes from Ma'ariv. Not exactly a Hasidic uh, paper. And listen to what he says. You want to talk about some the same offer winter who told his troops Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokim Hashem Elokim Hashem Elokim Einon Mavado the one who said that's the key, the one who lived a life, the one who lives a life of unity. Listen to what he said. They interviewed him. He said an amazing thing. He said. They were going into Gaza and they wanted to go into one of the houses um, before dawn. Before dawn. Because if they would be get... And they, they, would, you know, they were all decked out with their infrared this, infrared that. So if they get there when it's dawn, so then they would be... And people could see them, right? After dawn, people could see them. So he said, we decided... We, I, I don't know all the details. He said, we decided to get to this particular place and there were two different groups that had to get there. And we got there, we got there before dawn. But the other, but the Lochamim, some of the other fighters, for some reason they delayed. We didn't know what to do because it, the dawn had already come. 
and you could see the light that was that was beginning to shine on some of the soldiers. And should we attack? Should we not attack? So he says as follows. Well. I can't make up the story. He says, At that moment, a cloud cover, a cloud cover came, what he called Ananei Kavod. And this, give me one minute. And this cloud cover came and it completely um, obliterated any view of the soldiers. We went into the house, we, went, we attacked the house, we were able to destroy the house, and immediately after any danger was surrounding us for our lives, immediately after that, the clouds dispersed. Not a Pasuk in Shoftim, but 2000, July 2014, a few weeks ago. The Jew who walks into the world with Shema Yisrael, who says Hashem Echad. Story after story. Not only the Gaza War happened a few hours ago. I'm not going to go into the details, but we did a Yom Kippur Katan. Again, if you know what that is, good. If you don't know, a special prayer service. But, but the two or three people who won the Yom Kippur Katan, but they lost their opportunity to have a Yom Kippur Katan, came now, helped us make dominion. They didn't even know we were doing Yom Kippur Katan. And how many times in life you see like where God sort of reveals Himself, and you, we just like sort of like, like ignore it. If you live life Shema Yisrael then you don't have to be afraid of your Averos Shebiyado. Then your Averos become a forum of connection with God. If you live life debilitated by fear of others, or fear in general, then you'll never have a Shaykhus with God. Shem should give each and every one of us the ability to take our fear of Hashem as a way of becoming close to God. To be able to feel, use our vulnerabilities as forums of connection. To live a life that when life is great and life is challenging, and then, if we don't make a hefstick between the Tzvil and Shalyan and the Tzvil and Shalrosh, between the Yishtamach and Yotzer, then we can walk into the battle, the battle of the war, whether it's the war on the outside or the war on the inside. <laughs> and the Ezra Hashem will be empowered and not held back. Empowered by our fears to overcome to be great and special Jews. Thank you for this. One second. One, one, one quick thing.